Believe it or not, the Washington Commanders are near or better than the Kansas City Chiefs in terms of building a championship roster in one key area. That and more right now on the Locked On Commanders podcast. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Commanders fans to the Locked On Commanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and the WUSA 9 Plus app on your Roku or your Amazon Fire Stick. And we thank you for making us your first listen, your first view of the day. I'm David Harrison. My co-host, Chris the Rooster Russell, sitting next to me here for today's episode. Both of us credential members of the media covering your Washington Commanders. Chris is doing it. For the Team 980, where Heat and Pete Medhurst can be found live Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern or anytime on your Odyssey app. And you can find me writing about the Washington Commanders for Commander Country, part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. Yeah, absolutely, David. This episode of Locked On Commanders is brought to you by Nissan. The only thing more exciting than the big game is the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. There's only... Couple of days left until the Super Bowl. Are you ready? The Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. All right, there's some encouragement that Dan Snyder, of course, may be on his way out of the DMV, which may be a precursor to his selling the commanders. One outlet believes there's a perfect fit for Deron Payne this offseason. And it's not Washington. We have that and more coming up. But first, David, we start with Super Bowl 57 week now officially upon us. Let's gauge how close the commanders might be to having that championship caliber roster that so many of us desire by comparing it to, well, a championship caliber roster competing this weekend in the Kansas City Chiefs. The obvious advantage, of course, as everybody knows, is Patrick Mahomes. I don't think we need to spend a whole lot of time there. And clearly, you can make a very strong argument that Andy Reid is in a Andy Reid is in a class all to himself, especially when compared to Ron Rivera. And that's not maybe an insult to Ron Rivera. That's just how good Andy Reid is. Uh, but while those two gaps exist, I think the one area that I look at in terms of the biggest gap right now between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Washington Commanders, again, besides Mahomes, maybe besides Reed, is the Chiefs' offensive line, which features, in my opinion, at least four starters that are better than what the Commanders have from left tackle. Orlando Brown, he's better than um, Charles Leno. And, and, and maybe that's recency bias because Charles was good up until late in the season, but Orlando Brown's really good, really good. And then left guard Joe Tooney is clearly better than Andrew Norwell. Center Creed Humphrey just wrapping up uh, what he's, uh, his third, uh, second NFL season, and he's been a really, really good fit for them since day one. And right guard Trey Smith, a late-round pick, who a lot of people really were impressed by over the first couple of years of his career. You can make the argument that maybe Sam Cosme and Cornelius Lucas, the combo at right tackle for the commanders, maybe they're on par with right tackle Andrew Wiley. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're slightly below, slightly ahead, what have you. I think that kind of beauty in, this, uh, in the eye of, of the beholder. But to me, that is a stark, stark difference. And it brings up, before I turn it over to you, 
this interesting kind of mirror position, and you'll remember this because you also cover the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, two years ago, the Buccaneers absolutely ambushed the Kansas City Chiefs banged up, injured, and thin offensive line. They didn't have Tooney. They didn't have Orlando Brown. They didn't have Creed Humphrey. You know, they they were hanging by a, a thread. Eric Fisher was out, and their right tackle was out. Patrick Mahomes got absolutely boat raced in that game. And then the Kansas City Chiefs snapped their finger and added, I think it was four starters over the next, you know, like eight or nine months that offseason and into chain and, and into the season when they acquired Orlando Brown and others. And some of those guys that I just mentioned, that's something that the commanders are kind of facing this year where they may have three new starters and you could maybe possibly make the argument that they need four starters on the offensive line. Yeah, I mean uh, that that by you know by and large, like like very clearly to me, that is the biggest gap between the uh, Kansas City Chiefs roster that is obviously going to the Super Bowl and has mm-hmm. been uh, been able to be competitive. And you look at like they made it to the Super Bowl against, like you said, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But along the way, they lost a lot of important offensive linemen to injury, which is ultimately why they got embarrassed in Super Bowls. Not because the team itself as a whole was a bad team, but by the time they got there, they were so weakened in the trenches. That there was really nothing they could do against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense that just lived on getting pressure uh, against quarterback. And now you look this season, you know, there's something to be said that a lot of times the team that makes it to the Super Bowl is the healthiest team. I mean, you look at the Cincinnati Bengals last year, they were much, much healthier than the Kansas City Chiefs were going into that AFC Championship game. This year, the Bengals are missing two offensive linemen. The Kansas City Chiefs are not. And even with the banged up quarterback, they still came out with a win. Uh, there was a little bit of help, obviously, from a Bengals defender towards the end of that game. But to your point, Chris, uh, the all five of of Kansas City's rather uh, starting offensive linemen played at least 86% of their offensive snaps mm-hmm. this season. All five of them. That is amazing. The Washington Commanders had one offensive lineman play over 86% of the snaps this season. And that was Andrew Norwell, who a lot of people are probably saying is the worst offensive lineman of the bunch, but he's the one who actually played. So if the most the best ability is availability, uh, Andrew Norwell was at least there, right? Uh, all, all season long or most seasons. So yeah, a stark difference there. And the Washington Commanders obviously have to start making uh, some some road or uh, climbing some rope to getting up to the, the up to the part. But you but you mentioned it too. The Kansas City Chiefs went from having a very I mean honestly absent offensive line mm-hmm. to having one of the most consistent ones because they identified the injury trends, the history, and they said you know what let's make some tough decisions and get some guys in here that can stay healthy. We'll see if Washington follows suit. Where they have the least rope to climb now. The other side of this conversation, in my opinion, is the defense. The, the this Washington Commanders defense is already close to or better than, in some instances, than the Kansas City Chiefs' Super Bowl-caliber defense. Uh, And and looking at some stats, stat scouting is is never a full science, right? So you definitely want to get deeper into it. But looking at the stats, they're kind of starting there. Washington, uh, Washington's defense this last season, 11th in yards per play, Kansas City 8th. Washington was 4th in the same category in rushing, Kansas City 15th. Washington was 10th in passing, Kansas City was 6th. Washington was just .03% behind KC, an interception rate. Neither defense all that great in interception rate, but Washington's just 0.03% behind Kansas City's. Washington was sacked sixth in sacks per pass. Kansas City was fifth. And then Washington's defense was better than KC in first downs allowed, third down conversion, the red zone goal to go, and points per game, which I would say a lot of those are more important stats than the other stats that Washington was, yeah, behind Kansas City, but not by much. So I think the Kansas City's defense, Washington's defense, have both proven that they have the ability to help keep their offenses in the game when they don't necessarily come out hot because Kansas City Chiefs offense, as talented as they are, they don't always come out firing on all cylinders. Sometimes they need a little bit of time 
to get warmed up. The difference here, as you pointed out, is Kansas City's offense eventually gets warmed up and starts putting up points, whereas Washington's, by and large, fell short. And a lot of that was due to the lack of health and the lack of talent, in some cases, on the offensive line. So I think you have a really good comparison between where Washington's falling short and where Kansas City is excelling. Yeah, and I'll just add one other thing. Remember, stats and trends do tend to change from year to year. A year ago, we were talking about how brutal the Washington defense is, how awful they were on third down, and here they are so dramatically improved in just a year's time. And even though they faltered at times late in the regular season, maybe some of that was just the mere pressure uh, on them, David. But again, things can dramatically change as we tried to prove with Kansas City's offensive line and as you just proved and alluded to with Washington's defense. Yeah, absolutely. So it's clear the commanders need some additional talent added to the roster in order to compete with the likes of the Kansas City Chiefs. Later on this week, we'll do the same exercise, but we'll look at the Philadelphia Eagles. One outlet, though, believes that they know who the commanders need to add in free agency. We'll examine that next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. And today's episode of Locked On Commanders is brought to you by Prize Picks. You pick two to six players with Prize Picks, and you pick if they're going to score more or less than their prize picks projection. If you're right, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections. And prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch, including NFL, NBA, NHL, PGA, college basketball, and more. And better yet, entries can be made in 60 seconds or less because it's that easy. They offer safe and fast withdrawals, currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports the right way. First time users, you can get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 using the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on to sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. <laughs> All right, it's good to have you with us. Thanks again for making us your first listen and watch of the day. With Washington needing help to become a true competitor for a future Super Bowl, CBS Sports' Jordan Dejani believes the best fit for one of its key free agents is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And David, I have to say there, there's no way in my opinion that this is happening, but let me set this up. Dejani is not saying that Deron Payne uh, who is the free agent in question, is going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was tasked by CBSSports.com to kind of fit puzzle pieces together and go team by team and find a free agent fit that would work perfectly with them. Now, of course, there's franchise tag. There's all sorts of different factors that go in, but that's kind of the reason why I believe that this will not be the reality, even though, again, it was a thoughtful piece by Dejani, is... I believe Washington will at the very minimum franchise tag him. Is there any reason, I know we've talked about this, but is there any reason in your eyes that Washington will either not tag Payne or then possibly, I guess the more realistic option would be tag and then trade Deron Payne, in, at least the way you see it? Yeah, I don't think either of those things happen. Uh, well, I, so I don't think he goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't think he goes anywhere. I think he's staying right where he is with the Washington Commanders for the 2023 season because I do think the Washington Commanders franchise tag him. I don't know that they're even making a serious run at trying to extend him, to be quite honest with you. Uh, and, and the reason being is just smart business football 
or football business. And Deron Payne understands this. He understands the business of football. He's been in the league. He, he's seen, you know, guys come and go. He's seen guys get paid, guys not get paid. And look, the bottom line is Deron Payne never had more than five sacks in a single season until 2022 when he's playing in a contract year. That always terrifies NFL decision makers because the question is, well, were you motivated by money? And then once we give you said money, are you going to keep that level of motivation, that level of play? 11 and a half sacks is amazing. And you put Deron Payne on the franchise tag. It, there's there's a problem with any direction you take, right? If you pay him, is he going to go back down to four and a half, three, two sacks like he had in the years before the 11 and a half breakout? Or is he going to continue the 11 and a half? There's mm -hmm. a risk there. You don't pay him. You franchise tag him. Well, the franchise tag has become prohibitive. You're probably not going to franchise tag him twice because you're not going to be, be able to really uh, afford it, which means that if he has another 11 and a half sack season, you're not getting him back. He's going to go sign somewhere else because he's not going to take a hometown discount after being franchise tagged. And again, you're not going to want to franchise tag him twice because of just how much that escalates. So you're, you're kind of putting yourself in a jam. So that's where the trade scenario comes in. Well, you're probably going to lose him next year one way or another, because if he doesn't perform, you're probably not extending him. If he does perform, you probably can't afford him. So why not just trade him and get something for him? And here's why you don't trade him and get something for him. Because you're going to get something for him regardless. If he blows up and has another great season and signs in Pittsburgh in 2024, you're going to get a 2025 third-round compensatory pick for him unless you go land your own huge free agent, in which case uh, you're happy because you landed your own huge free agent and it doesn't really matter. But if you don't land your own huge free agent, you're going to get that third-round compensatory pick. So you're getting something for losing Duran regardless. But what keeping him this year under the franchise tag does it allows you to see where Fedarian Mathis goes in his development. And if he becomes a legitimate potential replacement, perfect. You lose Deron Payne, unfortunately, but you get that compensatory pick. Fedarian elevates. Maybe you draft another defense tackle this year in the third or fourth round to, to, to develop behind Fedarian even. And then if Fedarian doesn't necessarily elevate to the, to the starting level, you have a first-round pick in 2024 that you can then spend potentially on a defensive tackle or second round pick or a free agent that you bring in. So there's a lot of different options, but when you look at having to pay potentially Montez Sweat, potentially Chase Young, uh, and potentially Cameron Curl, like you can't pay everybody. So where do you want to disperse your money? Having a lot of your money, 40 million plus tied up in your two interior defensive linemen when you have a Federian Mathis potential future draft picks that you can bring in here as well, doesn't make a lot of fiscal sense beyond this year. So this year, dump that 40 million into the interior defensive line while you develop the answer moving forward next year. Don't dump that money in there. Dump that money elsewhere. All right. A couple of things to unwrap there. First, I, I want to mention David wrote about the potential looming decision that we've talked about, you know, from time to time at commandercountrysi.com about chase young and the fifth year option. Right. And this all factors kind of into that. So again, go read it. Uh, check it out. We'll post it at LO Commanders, so on and so forth. I know I'm going to have that discussion uh, as well on Tuesday on the radio. So, uh, and we'll be talking about it obviously from time to time. Also, we talked. Uh, all right, I think it was actually my solo episode last week. I talked about how concerning I was about you know Cam Curl and his contract extension, mm -hmm. uh, and, and what his dad was saying on social media and so on. So again, if you missed that, go back to last week. We talked about that. Then obviously we'll be following that. The one thing that you said that that really jumped out at me, you were like, okay, well, if they they tag them, they retain them, we'll see where it goes. 
you allow Fedarian Mathis, like you said, to rebound. And I, I think that's a really good point, one that I wasn't necessarily thinking of. It's part of the reason why they drafted Fedarian Mathis, quite honestly, in the second round last year, which people thought was overdrafted, was because they didn't think they were going to bring back Deron Payne because he hadn't shown any level of real consistency. So you have to see if Deron can do it two years in a row, all that stuff. Now, the one thing that I will just, just add and contend is if you – franchise tagged him this year, meaning at the end of February, right? Uh, I, I forget the exact date, but it's coming up in a couple of weeks. If you franchise tag him and then trade him, David, you can get a lot more presumably than a third round compensatory pick, which is going to be in the high 90s in 2025. I mean, it would stand, maybe you don't get a first round pick, but maybe you get a second round pick and you yep. get an extra second round pick this year. So that is one thing that you would have to weigh along the way when making that decision. Now, that being said, uh, I'm with you. Ultimately, I think they're going to franchise tag him. And my thing is, not only will they probably tag him and not trade him because they have the market advantage and when I say the market advantage, they'll say, no, 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 no. You know, we know what we're doing. We're going to get a deal done by July 15th, which is the franchise tag deadline. We'll be fine, guys. We'll take care of it. Guys, 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 don't look over here. We always know what we're doing. And you know what? I don't want to say they didn't know what they were doing with Brandon Sheriff. I think they did the right thing with Brandon Sheriff, who hadn't yeah. proven that he could stay on the field. But it did, just to be fair, it point it, it went from 15 million to 18 million. And once you rest reached that threshold, there was never, ever, ever a chance that Brandon Sheriff was come back. So again, keep all these factors in mind. Um when they go to make whatever decision they make. And ultimately, I think both of us agree that they should just franchise tag him if they can't get a long-term deal done before the franchise tag deadline, franchise tag him and then let it play out and see maybe if you can get a favorable team structure before the July 15th deadline, if not, let it play out. And maybe you can do an extension during the season. We'll see. Yeah, so so the, the trading him and getting more for him now than you would be if you walked away as free. Not the first time I've heard that. The reason I'm against that, I'm going to be, and, and again, there's no wrong answer here, guys. Like all of these options could prove to be very successful. All of these options could prove to be, you have have a lot of pitfalls, including the one that I choose or that I would prefer. But I said this all draft season and all off season last year, make decisions based on what you have, not what you hope you have. You hope you have a really solid defense tackle for Darian Mathis moving forward. You don't know that you do or not. And unfortunately, it's because you went down in the first week of the season. Not, not big Phil's fault, not the commander's fault. But that is what it is. You don't know what you have in Federer Math. You know what you have in Deron Payne. And even if you don't get 2022 Deron Payne, you still get a guy that gets a lot of pressure on the quarterback, is at least a big presence against the run game. He may not get you another 11 sacks, but even if he gets you four sacks, pressures, and is a good running mate next to John Allen, you know you have that next year. You don't know what Federer Mathis brings. Another thing the commanders don't know going into the 2023 NFL season, Chris, is who their starting linebackers are going to be. Jamin Davis is obviously here. Cole Holcomb, though, is a free agent coming off of injury. Maybe he's not the answer in the future anymore uh, either. But the same CBSSports.com article picked Tremaine Edmonds, linebacker currently under contract with the Buffalo Bills until the end of the season, uh, and a Virginia Tech product to be the perfect fit for the Washington Commanders this offseason, basically emphasizing just how much of a physical freak that Edmonds is, two-time Pro Bowler, five, athletic, linebacker who's going to be expensive but he might just be the missing piece of the washington commanders defense because as good as the defense was i think everybody agrees that middle that middle area uh, of the defense is where they were the weakest chris 
maybe I'm biased. I want Levante David to sign with the Washington Commanders as a free agent, but I'll settle for Tremaine Edmonds if that's the uh, the the not compensatory, but if that's the consolation prize, I'll take it. Do you want to bring in if you're going Tremaine Edmonds, which again I, I would agree is a tremendous fit. I would love it. It would make them so much better. But you have to basically decide between that and Deron Payne, and mm. maybe an extension there. And it might cost you, might emphasis might cost you a long term extension for. Deron Payne and Montez Sweat, who is certainly eligible for a contract extension and has one year remaining, and or if you want to go this way, Chase Young. So I think you have to kind of look at the pieces of the puzzle and maybe a guy like David, uh, who you're very familiar with, of course, from your work with the Buccaneers, and everybody kind of knows what kind of player he's been. You have to kind of decide what is the best route if you want to upgrade there. All right, coming up, Dan Snyder is selling. And it's big news. Or maybe it's not. We'll share our take on the newest development next on Locked On Commanders. But first, guys, this episode of LOC is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, a meal replacement, a good breakfast on the way into work, but don't want all the fat and calories, well, then you've got to try a Built Bar. Everybody got through the holidays. Everybody making New Year's resolutions. You're at the gym. You're trying to eat healthier. I know I'm trying to do it. It's not looking great, uh, but I'm trying. And uh, pretty much almost every day on the way in during my long commute through morning DMV traffic, I pop a Built Bar. Doesn't matter the variety. Doesn't matter the flavor. They're all delicious. They're all 100% soft, easy to chew, and covered in real chocolate. My favorite happens to be the peanut butter. Brownie David's always been a big fan of the mint flavor and others. We love all the different varieties. Built Bars are awesome. And now what's great, we've been telling you for years and years and years that you can get them at Built.com. Well, you can still do that, but now you can walk into your own Walmart or simplify the nearest Walmart today. Go to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars or go to Sam's Club and grab a 13-bar box so you have breakfast or meal replacements covered for a couple of weeks and hit up your favorite flavor. Trust us, you will thank us later. Manners fans want Dan Snyder as far away from their team as humanly possible these days. And Snyder may actually be leaving the DMV altogether after news surfaced on Monday that he and his wife, Tanya, have apparently put their home on the Potomac up for sale. Of course, not actually on the Potomac. That would be weird, but it's nearby. Um, Chris, does this tell you the commanders are for sure being sold as well or not? Um. It doesn't tell me for sure, but I'm still very, very confident, David, that they will indeed or that they are cl clearly for sale and open. I think Dan knows that his days are numbered one way or the other. So he wants to get a sale uh, in. It's not going to work. It's never going to be fixed here. It's never going to happen. Uh, and and he wants his money. Um so here, here's the interesting thing, right? This estate that he's selling, you said it's not on the Potomac. I mean, if Dan had his way, maybe he would have built it on the Potomac because he tried to cut down a bunch of trees without permission and all that stuff. That was a long ago uh, saga in the Dan Snyder spectacle. Uh, and he's got, you know, a basketball court with the team logo and all that. Great. He, he subsequently, like two years ago, bought a $49 million mansion like in Alexandria. Like who needs two $48, $49 million mansions? 
Apparently, Dan and Lady T. bathrooms, I mean. Yeah, exactly. Why have one bathroom? But Yeah, but then they have the super yacht, right? And then they also bought a place, we think, because they're operating over there, over in London. So, listen, they have a lot of money to spend. They've spent it probably poorly in a lot of ways, but they're going to get a lot of money for this team. My question to you becomes not do you feel bad for Dan? Do you want Dan to sell them? I mean, you know, at this point, what is he, he doesn't need he didn't need to control the team. But here's my thing, and I wanted to ask you this. What happens if Dan Snyder says, you know what? My team is worth 7.5 billion. My team is worth 7.2 billion. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking a penny less. And until somebody matches that price, and oh, by the way, the hell with you, Jeff Bezos and Amazon. I'm not selling you because of what your Washington Post did to me. I don't care whether you sell that or not, as has been rumored, as has been alleged. I want nothing less than $7.5 billion, and I'm not selling to Jeff Bezos. NFL, come here. Come come and get me. Try and kick me out now. I I need fair market value for my team. What's fair market value? Hey, my banking investor told me I can get $7.5 billion, even though I don't have a new stadium dirt uh, shovel in the ground. So you see my point, and, and this is my problem, is we may be here a year from now wondering, boy, what's going on here? Other bidders are dropping out left and right, and if he won't sell to Bezos, which has been alleged, mm-hmm. there aren't many bidders right now that seem to still be alive and then certainly that are willing to meet whatever price Dan might have in mind. Uh, I mean, I'll tell you right now, selling this team this offseason, I think, is Dan Snyder's last chance to get away with any sort of, I, I don't even know what you want to call it. It's not honor. It's not respect. You know what I mean? But the last the last shred that Dan Snyder has right now in the situation is that the other NFL owners haven't literally pushed him out of the clubhouse, took off, taken off his hat, his membership pin, shred his membership card, and kick him out of the club. And if he if he chooses on his own volition to not sell this team to a fair deal. These are all business people. Like every single owner in the National Football League is some sort of business person. If if he refuses to accept what would be considered a generally reasonable offer for his franchise, they're going to push him out. That will be the final straw. They're going to kick him out. And not only will he still leave the National Football League, still not be an owner of an NFL club, but he will go down as an owner who literally got booted from maybe the, the shadiest good old boy club that exists in this country today like you talk about a group that closes ranks to protect each other none does it better than the national football league and you will become the guy that they didn't even do that for um whether it's bezos or somebody else you know what i mean because at the end of the day like if someone's not willing to pay you seven seven and a half billion part of that is because of you you declined your own you you diminished your own product's value through your behavior and it's not just the allegations it's how you've responded to said allegations and and everything else you've done since then um, that's diminished your leverage in selling this. Like everybody knows you have to sell. You don't really have a choice. You might have a choice in how long it takes for you to sell. Okay, sure. But eventually Dan Snyder is not going to be the owner of this team. Like that is, that's the writing on the wall. That's the path. That's the light at the end of this tunnel. When we get to the end of the tunnel, that's completely different. But for Dan Snyder to try to act like he has any type of leverage in this deal, he really doesn't. He needs to take what he can get and he needs to walk away with some sort of class uh, and dignity left because again he's put himself in this position i don't feel bad for dan snyder i never will feel bad for dan snyder because again you did this to you nobody else did this to you the only person i might feel bad for are the fans who don't deserve to be forced between choosing their hatred for an owner that's tarnished their legendary team 
and resulted in that legendary team having to change its legendary name or uh, root for the team that they've grown up loving. Like you, you have put the, these fans in these positions. So that's who I feel bad for. And maybe Tanya Snyder, even though I don't really know her, so I don't know, like she may be laughing it up, drinking her million dollar tea along with Dan. So if she is, I don't feel bad for her either. <laughs> Frankly. I like your points. I think it makes some really, really uh, good points. He has no doubt about it hurt the value of this team yeah. in so many ways. Just think about it. If he could get a shovel in the dirt, what this team would actually be worth. Maybe it would be worth the $7.5 billion or offers well north of $7 billion that they lied and cooked up and fabricated to Forbes a couple of weeks ago. We will see. Lots to unpack there. We will keep you abreast of all of the developments on the offensive coordinator search, on Dan Snyder, and much, much more busy offseason for the Washington Commanders, but that's going to do it for us today, guys. We appreciate you making us your first listen and view. Uh, now make the Locked On NFL podcast your second listen and view. Get daily conversations on the biggest NFL stories, of course, with the big game this weekend. Uh, plus, get in-depth analysis on the big game with NFL key predictions every Friday and Monday. Local insiders cover the weekend. Game-to-game -game episodes Locked On NFL will uh, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back. I'll have a solo episode, Solomon Wilcots, former NFL safety and longtime NFL analyst, joins us from Radio Row in Phoenix. And we may have, may have an additional surprise, but we don't want to jinx anything. So stay tuned for that. If you want to hop in, locked on Washington Commanders at gmail.com or send us a DM on Twitter at LO Commanders. For David Harrison, covering the Washington Commanders, FranSide.com and Fan Nation, go make sure you check out that Chase Young fifth-year option article uh, that we were mentioning during the show. I'm Chris Russell, Russell and Medhurst on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Thank you for joining us right here on the Locked On Commanders podcast.